Welcome to Things That Will Help with Buffy Barfoot. This podcast explores what it's like to be human and how to find tools to feel clear, grounded, and happier. The weekly theme will be simple as well as rich and something you can apply to your real life. The human stories ahead do not negate the hard or the dark, but rather point to the lighthouses along the way. This is Buffy. Hello, everybody. I'm so happy to be here talking to you today. I'm extra excited about this episode and hoping that I can put into words what I want to convey because it feels a little bit slippery right now. It feels kind of ethereal instead of firm, but I'm going to try my best. There are places in our life that feel fragmented or unfinished, depleted, places that pull on us and drain us of energy and prana. And sometimes we know about these places and they're sort of regular places that we visit and sometimes we're unable to see exactly how they're breaking us apart. We can often become fragmented because of injury or tragedy or something sudden. Or other times it's like a slow erosion of self-worth or purpose. And sometimes it's other people telling us who we are and then we're eventually unable to withstand the insistence of that pressure and that identity. Sometimes it's our own culture that shatters us into pieces like societal constructs or gender norms, the shoulds of our culture kind of boxing us in to being a human that we don't even recognize anymore as ourselves. And other times it's just a fragmented moment like a moment in time that kind of pulls us away from the bone, pulls us away from purpose and path and breath. And so we have to stop and drop in and then ask, is it our own choices that are making us feel fragmented? Or is it something that's happening to us and we must turn the ship around and set a different boundary As a parent, especially of young children, I know that when my children are feeling fragmented, I'm called to help them however I can because they can't always see that that's what's happening. So I can help to stop and drop in and breathe with them to discover what the deeper source is. Coretta right now is obsessed with Band-Aids. She talks about them all the time. She walks by, bumps her elbow on the side of the bed and needs a Band-Aid. She makes up things to need a Band-Aid for. Seldom is there blood. (laughs) But so many Band-Aids on her body daily. And when she first started doing this, we tried to reason with her. Like, you don't really need a Band-Aid for that. That's really just for when it's bleeding. It won't help. You just bumped your leg a little bit. But we finally stopped reasoning because Band-Aids absolutely help to regulate her and make her feel whole. And she feels like they aid in healing 100%. So now we just do it. Otis brings them to her. We bring them to her. We have them on every floor of the house. 
we recently visited my sister-in-law, Christy, and Christy started to explain to her why she didn't need a Band-Aid for her boo-boo, and I just cut her off. I said, "Mm mm-mm. We're just not doing that rational argument because that's not where Coretta Bear is with it. And I feel like it's my job to help facilitate that regulation and facilitate helping her feel whole as best I can. Because if something that harmless and easy helps, then Band-Aids forever, sister. This morning, Otis was wild. He was running around He was acting like a wild monkey. He was yelling and bouncing off the walls. And I was trying to get everybody organized. Camp backpacks ready, lunches packed, everybody dressed and sunscreened. And I I really just wanted him to slow down. And after I told him to calm down, he asked me if he could watch a show. And I took a deep breath and I wanted to say yes because I knew it would help him keep quiet and I could finish organizing the morning. And I was kind of debating that in my head. But before I gave any answer, he said, if you don't let me watch a show right now, I'm going to have the worst day ever. And I was like, um, what? So of course, now I couldn't let him watch the show at that point. He was feeling fragmented. But I knew that his solution was going to make it worse in the long run. And I would even say that the reason maybe he was feeling fragmented in the first place was because he had had too much screen time recently and it was kind of leaving him feeling anxious and and desperate for more, kind of like how sugar, you know, makes us feel cracked out. But like we we have to have more to feel whole (laughs) screens, same, same. So in order to turn the ship around, I stopped and I dropped in and I took a breath and I waited for inspiration. And then I got out some circuits and I sat down with him and I started building. We talked about camp. We talked about his friends and pretty, pretty gradually, um, but, but rather quickly, he shifted back to whole, and we both did. And it really helped this simple connection. This simple connection can often help people, especially kids. But I think all people feel less fragmented. I was talking to a dear friend recently about my ankle, and she was, for those of you who don't know, who haven't listened to the last couple of episodes, I'm getting an ankle replacement surgery, which I'm just um, really been in need of for a very long time. And my friend was asking if I had any fears about my upcoming surgery. And I said, you know, very little fear, mostly hope and excitement for this newfound energy and this newfound walk uh, and a life of less pain, hopefully. The possibility to feel less fragmented in my actual body and feel more whole. And it's it's hard to explain how an injury like this can make you feel so fragmented and not complete in your body. It it, it tends to, to pull focus all the time. Even when I'm not talking about it, it's like this internal negotiation with nearly every step and certainly every physical activity. 
I think most people that live with this kind of chronic injury think about it way more than they talk about it because they're kind of tired of the story and tired of themselves and don't want to exhaust everybody else. And so when she asked me what I was looking forward to the most, I said symmetry, feeling whole, not being drained in that direction only. Because pain is so draining and it blocks other things, I think, especially creativity and joy and spontaneity. It it blocks those things from coming in. And she then brilliantly suggested, I look for light, like follow actual light, like sunlight and moonlight and stare how it falls in the windowsill and on the flowers in the morning. Wonder. And wonder is certainly a medicine for fragmentation. And wonder, of course, is another way of stopping and dropping in. They say when you can't calm a tantrum down, then take the child outside and point to something wondrous. So let us do that for ourselves too. The hunger for wonder and noticing the magical layers of this planet and this human experience do not stop when we grow up. We must keep wondering. So stop in on the plants. Stop in on how the light falls on your coffee table. Slow down on the sidewalk today. Sometimes fragmentation is a result of years of not feeling listened to or held. And sometimes the remedy is just a perspective change. Sometimes it's a behavior change. Sometimes it's surgery. Sometimes it's setting boundaries and reclaiming your time and value. Sometimes the remedy is actually setting sail out into uncharted waters. And sometimes... The medicine is crawling back into bed and slowing way, way down. So many times bringing yourself back to whole is giving yourself permission. Giving yourself permission for a Band-Aid, for a yoga class in the middle of the day, permission to say no, permission to say yes, or even permission to shut down a project that you have given a lot of time and resources to, but it no longer fits. I read somewhere recently, and I wish I remembered now where I read it, but the author was talking about the ocean and how when we stay in the surf at the edge of the ocean where it is shallow, the waves are choppy and and rough and they toss us around and they can hurt us and salt water goes up our nose and we feel a little bit beat up. But if we can make it out a little further to deeper waters, the waves calm down. The ocean is more gentle. If we can flip on our back there and float and trust and let ourselves be just rocked a little instead of fighting the choppy surf, we can often slow down enough to feel what it is that we need and just feel that that really big universal energy of being deeply supported and held when we're not doing all the work. 
And of course, this is a metaphor, but if we can get to the deeper parts, stop and drop in at the source instead of the first thing that shows up that's reactive, then this could help carry us back to feeling whole again and again. And when you're in calmer waters, then you have the wherewithal to be able to ask, what do I need right now? And of course, if you're parenting, you know that children don't always know what they need. And they would choose the exact opposite often because that craving is gnawing at them and they haven't been able to um, learn that distinction. Otis was so mad at me when I said no to the show, but I knew it was not going to bring him back to what ultimately I knew he was craving, connection. So once you can swim to deeper waters to investigate, then stop and drop in, listen for what is best medicine, best practice, and you will be able to hear it then. My friend that was helping me talk through my ankle She said to start imagining the symmetry now before the surgery. She said it will take practice. And I think she's absolutely correct. I've started to visualize my body as whole and complete, tip to toes. And it's hard (laughs) because I haven't seen it that way in so long. And I'm I'm learning that that stopping and dropping in is going to take some practice. And I'm going to have to be patient. And I'm learning that that stopping and dropping in will take practice. The visualization of symmetry does take practice because I've seen myself as fragmented for so very long. So I'm managing that draining, that consuming pain at all times. When I was teaching asana, the physical practice of yoga more regularly, I would teach a balance pose like tree, for example, And I would talk to the students about how balance is not a fixed point in space, how it's always changing and you have to kind of lean with it and adjust at every moment. So it's fluid. But wholeness is different than balance. You're always whole. You are always whole, even if you feel fragmented or even if you are off balance. Yesterday, I was sitting in a coffee shop, and there is a hand-painted sign, very big, on the wall, and it's in black and white, and it says, Stay Grounded. And there are flowers crawling up on a vine that trace the ceiling, and the actual words, ironically, Stay Grounded, are super high on the wall, (laughs) and the mural is really pretty, but it doesn't feel at all like groundedness. It feels like flight or creativity, or like an upward toss. But because of how high it is, it doesn't feel like groundedness. But I I get it, because that's balance. I think we, we need both. We need both at different times. There's not one medicine for wholeness. So maybe the mural is a plea for that balance, without the artist even recognizing exactly what made them do it that way. Um, in the summers... Otis begins a new camp almost every week. And at the beginning of this week, he started ninja camp. And he loves he loves summer camp generally. But Mondays are always a little bit shaky. 
Uh, he gets nervous about the newness and the the fresh batch of kids and the new counselors and the the new rules. And usually when I pick him up on Mondays, he's exhausted, but he's also relieved and kind of chatty about how much fun it was. But the anticipation of the newness can be really hard. And this morning, my mom took him in and she called me after she dropped him off and she said, this is what he said on the way. He said, I hope I'm not the oldest. I hope I'm not the youngest. And I hope I'm not the only boy. And I thought, yep. I get it. Doesn't want to stand out. Not at first. I feel this way all the time. And and then she asked him, do you want to listen to music on the way to camp? And he said, no, Vivi, I just want to talk things over with you. And he was trying to locate himself. He's learning. He's just now learning to stop and drop in and realizing when he's dysregulated, when he's feeling fragmented. And I'm so grateful that he can articulate this to us. Okay, Um, real quick. So something I want to share with you that I decided, this this came from stopping and dropping in, so this is why I'm sharing this. Um, I decided to do this plan to walk me up to the ankle surgery. No alcohol whatsoever, no gluten, no refined sugar. Um, I am doing honey and maple syrup and a lot less dairy. And I'm 15 days into that and I'm feeling so very clear and energetic and I'm really happy, most of all, to be in training for something as important as this. As this. It feels like a, a really special time to be treating my body like the temple that it is. Um And that just came from kind of stopping and going, what do I need the most right now to get me ready for this? Oh, and um, y'all, I have a name for her. I have a name for my new ankle because I believe in naming things. As you know, her name is Irma, spelled with E, E E-R-M-A, Irma. And she means complete, which I love, or war goddess. So just let that sink in complete and war goddess. So it took a little trial and error to find her name. I tried on another name that had a really good story that someone suggested. And it was the story of this famous champion thoroughbred horse. And I love the idea of that, but I found that I kept forgetting the actual name. So I let it go and I stopped in dropped in and I waited and I found another one that was a better fit that I could remember and that seems to um, have really taken hold. So these are some of the things I found. Get so aligned and clear and clean in your body, temple worthy alignment, and then name her before she is birthed. I want to leave you uh, with one more little story. And this is a sad one, but it has a beautiful lesson and so much potency that can be applied I think, to so many things. I have a friend recently that lost her beautiful and young friend. And she, this woman had a tragic accident while doing something she loved. Uh, But it was terrible. She was so vibrant and young. And so my friend and I were talking about this woman's life. And I didn't know her at all, but I was listening to some of the details about her life. And Some of the circumstances around her death just felt so extra sad because maybe it could have been prevented if some precautions had been taken. 
But you know, something that helped me so much when Benjamin died was not to think of his life being fragmented and tragically shortened, but instead to remember that it was his life, however long or short it was, it was complete, it was whole, it was his, and it was not fragmented or a part of a life. And this is just kind of a different perspective. It's it's just about perspective. So it was, you know, I think this is the case with this bright young woman. Her life was a whole life. And the tragedy of this loss was terrible, but it did not deem her life incomplete. We are so human. We are so tender. We are so exposed. But we are also so resilient. And wholeness is a perspective that is always available. But I have found that it does take breath, like feet on the ground breath. It takes the action of resourcing our ability to feel fully and to appreciate each moment of aliveness. And that's it. That's, that's what we're here to do, to feel the full moment in front of us with all the ways it comes in honestly, to stop and drop in for this. I had this incredible conversation with my dear friend Cheyenne this morning, and she told me some hard things that she was holding, and then she took a deep breath. And then she said, there's a lot going on, but I want to tell you this. I also feel resourced to hear where you are, dear sister, and to hold fully what you have been going through and what you have to say. Wow. Yes, please. This was a whole body yes for me. Not a fragmented response, but a beautiful way to stop and drop in so that we can stop and drop in for ourselves. We can stop and drop in for another. And when we do, we all heal up. We all heal upwards and we all heal onwards. So connection reinstate wonder, permission, get to the deeper waters where the water is less choppy, band-aids, and locate yourself however you can. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you always for holding space to listen this morning Um, or whenever you're listening. It might be a night. I want to tell you, for those of you who are new listeners and may not know this, that for every podcast episode, my husband, Matt, makes a corresponding playlist, and they are fantastic. They're very eclectic, so they're from all different genres and all different types of music, and uh, you can get them at Things That Will Help on Spotify. We have a profile. And he's got one, he's got over a hundred on there. He's a little bit behind, I think right now and not completely caught up to our, our most recent podcast, but they're just so good. So if you listen to one and you don't like it, then try another because there's something for everybody in there. Um, My patron of honor today is Heather Ballman. I just love Heather. I love her so much. I've been 
friends with Heather for so many years and um, crossed paths with her professionally and personally, and she's just an absolute love boat. This is what Heather says um, about herself. I am a woman, mother, wife, sister, daughter, and friend. I co-founded and created Hey Birdie with my incredible friend, Jess Lindsley. We are fiercely committed to bringing women together to live their lives in their truest and fullest expression. We also host programming for girls and teens called Roar to Soar, in which we celebrate our voices, our bodies, and one another. She loves this quote, here's to strong women. May we know them. May we be them. May we raise them. And Heather says she is always reaching for the wise words of Tanya Markle, who I love, especially these from her piece, The She Book. Love the stale glitter on your tired face and the tangled bird's nest you call hair. Love your wobbly messiness, bad grammar, and sailor cussing flair. Love the crystals falling out of your bra and the feathers stuffed in your pocket. Love the scariness of what you know is held in your little heart locket. She says, I find myself always reaching for her when I need inspiration to keep going. So we're going to put Hey Birdie information in the show notes. Uh, Jess and Heather are doing such good things in the world, so please check them out. Thank you so much to those of you who are patrons of this podcast. If you'd like to learn how to become a patron, check out the link in the show notes. We would love to have you in this uh, beautiful community. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great day.